Hi, and welcome to episode 18 of Differential Diagnosis, the podcast where we differentially diagnose every single episode of HouseMD. This week, we're going to be taking a look at season one, episode 19, called Kids. My name is Harvey. I'm one of your co-hosts. Hello from me. And then there's Gaz, who's the second one of your co-hosts, who will now say hello. Hello. Excellent. <laughs> um, yep, always a pleasure to be here. We're actually face-to-face for once, which is quite a rare treat. Fantastic. Yeah, we have a, a pretty rough construction, and uh podcast is only three days late, this episode. So I believe you're getting a double whammy of this one and the latest DD Extra, so enjoy that. Oh, that's very kind of you. I didn't know I was being committed to so much work. <laughs> Absolutely. We're going straight to the next one after this. Oh, yikes. So, um, yeah, I think overall, kids, it's a pretty, it's an all right one. There's some, there's some, we're still kind of dealing with the fallout of Vogler. I'd say that's what kids is. Kids is like the Vogler epilogue. Yeah. Because we can like try and round off all the problems. So, um, I don't know if you have any interesting observations to start off with or if you want to get straight into the synopsis and get cracking um i just say the main driver is essentially it's a book it's a book-ended episode so at the beginning you have the cameron and house meeting each other and then it's uh, uh cameron and house meeting at the end and then in the middle of it is this kind of uh more kind of i think for house a little bit more boilerplate treat like episode um it's a strange one because it's actually the clinic case is actually the main case and the main case which is a meningitis which he isn't actually investigating because there's nothing to investigate um is inverted and that's the actual subordinate case i think i haven't really got a handle on how i think about what I think about that, but um, it's an interesting one in terms of uh, Mary. It's you think that the moral of the story was going to be a bit more hard hitting, in the sense of justice must be done, something must be done to rectify this heinous thing that's happened. And actually, House just says, It's up to you, kid. And that was a bit. It was simultaneously refreshing, but also a little bit galling. Well, yeah, because the whole, so the whole plot is, as Gaz says, the setup is that there's this meningitis case, which feels like the big issue, but then House kind of spots a, a sort of much smaller, like sort of anomaly out of that crowd while in the clinic. And then that kind of becomes the focus, even though there's this ridiculous event going on in the hospital where there's meningitis outbreak. It's kind of like if maternity, when all the babies got ill, was kind of like the B plot. Yeah. <laughs> and they went and did something else. So it's, um, it is a very weird episode. Yes, you're right. It's kind of, it's very boilerplate, but it's got like an interesting setup, but it's very standard. And then at the end, obviously it has this, um, I think, uh, the, the solution's quite simple, actually. It's just like, uh, she is, the girl is ill because of complications due to a pregnancy, which the team didn't assume because she's only 12. Um, but then, yeah, I agree. There's this kind of like, that feels like it should be more of a problem. And they do have a slight debate about that. 
but the girl's like, oh, it's fine. It's what I wanted to do. I'm mature enough to make decisions. And then they just abort it. And instead of, you know, and then it just, I guess the father is just some 16 year old on the team rather than it being the coach or something ridiculous, which I can kind of see might have been low hanging fruit. Well, we, we still don't know. That's the issue. We are never really told who, who did what to whom. And so my, there's a bit of tension because of that at the end. Mm. So like, who? Who's done this? And it's also very daring in the sense that obviously abortion is a very big issue in the United States. And to take such a, not a position, but to portray a particular way of doing things on a politically controversial subject, that takes some balls. Hmm. Yeah, it's very casual, and House promotes it as a as a as the. It's pretty much the treatment. Yeah, I mean the way he describes it to the parents is just what, really, <laughs> very interesting. But it, I mean, it doesn't come down pro or anti. It just deals with the realities of a very difficult decision. Mm. Um. And House is, you know, it just was very strange for House just to say, you're the boss. When in a lot of other cases, he's very much like, well, no, you're not the boss. I'm the boss. Yeah. I'm solving the issue. But in other ways, it's really consistent with who he is because he is a man who's looking to solve, to cure illnesses. He's trying to solve puzzles. And once the puzzle is solved, it's kind of like, hands off right i don't know it's a really odd one well do you want to crack on with a synopsis and then we'll go into it although oh. i feel we'll just be expanding on what we just did in the intro i agree i think um we might have just blew our wad very very that's all right well on. there's still a couple of drips left oh. okay then um so as usual the uh synopsis is powered by house.fandom.com the uh, preeminent source of information about the House MD television series. So here we go. Kids is a first season episode of House, which first aired on May 3rd, 2005. House is drawn away from trying to get Cameron to return to Princeton Plainsboro's teaching hospital when a meningitis epidemic overwhelms the Princeton area hospitals. When he comes across a 12-year-old diver with symptoms that don't quite fit meningitis. Cuddy figures he's just trying to get out of the boredom of screening dozens of people. However, when the diver gets worse, House finds the hospital's resources stretched to breaking point. And I wonder why that is. <laughs> Sorry, that's not part of the synopsis. It's more Vogler fallout. Indeed. So yeah, so let's, let's put the final nail in Vogler's coffin as we... Differentially Diagnose, Season 1, Episode 19, Kids.
called swim meet, where people are routinely humiliated due to their slowness and ineptitude at swimming, which is <laughs> I did as a kid. Well, I think this is this is a, this is one of those openings which you know it's it's an interesting setting. Yeah. I'll tell you what, as it's the first season, any opening which isn't a family in a house and somebody just gets sick is fantastic to me. That's fair enough. Yeah, it's a bit of a... I, I don't know how you feel about the patient because she's a child, right? Yeah. And she's probably the most interesting child that David Shaw managed to pull himself together to write. He was like, okay, well, I'll give this child some mild positive traits. I guess we found out that she's just like... She's driven. Yeah. She's a very driven yeah. minor athlete. But but there isn't much more. We don't really see much more than that, right? Mo most of it is, I, I guess maybe she's a kid. They couldn't think what to do, but they kind of set up that she's driven. And then a lot of what's interesting is the way her treatment is handled, which is kind of a bit like, kind of a bit amateur, kind of a bit guerrilla style mm. because the hospital's in such a flux because of the meningitis scare, which... um. I do like that the meningitis scare and the cold open of the patient are connected. Mm. Um, it would have been weird if it was just a totally separate event. But um, but then, yeah, she kind of, yeah, she kind of is just like that. And then that kind of her being mature point is then brought to the end kind of to then have a bit of debate about the whole that she's had sex and she's quite young. And it's, yeah. but the the show doesn't really go anywhere with it. It doesn't. I, I mean, it's a it's one hell of a subject that I don't think anyone wants to juggle, <laughs> like the nature of can children consent? Like, is it like, is it like a state of mind that you become mature, or should there be an age limit? It's sort of it's a weird issue that the show kind of skirts, and it sets it up that they want the main character to be mature, and then they kind of like juggle it for like two seconds. You're you're missing the biggest thing about this intro. Oh, go on. It's a red. You think she's gonna like completely like seize up in the pool, right? Oh, or yeah, something so... like that. But instead, she looks over. The judge is dead. Yeah, I mean, it, I thought it was gonna be her coach. I actually misremembered, and I was like, "Damn, yeah. the coach is gonna be ill." But uh, yeah, it's a huge red herring. The opening. Yeah, I mean, that's just something I just wanted to bring up before we get into the kind of meat, the moral meat of the subject. Of the episode um yeah that was like a, another red herring they do that sometimes they subvert the expectation go oh you caught me out there it has started cropping up more yeah because i because i was recently <clears throat> watching some people um i think it was on the house md subreddit they were having a you know what what i think it was a drinking game um article somebody was like what's a good house md drinking game and one of the rules was uh every time like the person you think is going to be ill turns out not to be the ill one and it's um, but since we've been watching the show again, I, I hadn't really noticed it doing that that much. Mm. So clearly, that started happening more beyond this point, and I do remember it happening more. But it's very funny that those kind of, I don't know if they're bad habits, <laughs> but habits nonetheless start to eke in a bit more. Yeah, creep in like, whoa, didn't see that coming, did you? <laughs> like this, uh, Cameron is greeted by House with a new cane. Yeah, so this is part of the Vogler fallout. Yes. Which is that Cameron has still quit. But what becomes strange is that she um she is now allowed back, but she is refusing to come back. Which I I don't remember being so much of a problem from the last episode. I there was a, like she self sacrificed 
and left in order to like you know serve the team and then there was this whole like that she was kind of inspired that house did things because he's right and i guess she leaves because she thinks it's the right thing to do but then when house invites her back she is extremely hostile about that and um she's even talking about that she's like interviewing with another doctor mm. but um yeah i'm never sure how I don't know. I feel like that kind of crops in, in the kind of gaps. Mm. And do you remember her being like that hostile to the idea of coming back? Um, well, so... I guess she's committed to it, right? And then all of a sudden he's going, "Oh, you can come back now." Yeah. And he's a little. She's a little bit. I guess apprehensive about coming back. And she made a whole kind of thing of saying, "You know, I'm doing the right thing." And coming back, and also there was the tension between the two of them, hmm. um, which also, you know, comes into it. What well, should we should we talk about the Cameron and House relationship? Because I remember you were a bit less warm about the the book ending structure, and then the the deal that struck. <laughs> the book ending structure, I think, is okay, but it kind of is weird because I don't really know what the true purpose of the plot is. You mean Cameron's plot? Yeah. Oh. Couldn't could they have put the book end, but actually have raised the stakes enough that Cameron had to come back, and then there was a condition to do that, and then plot her back into Princeton on the condition that she wanted. It's like, look, I need you back. If we don't have you back, we can't do this. Yeah, because the whole yeah Cameron's kind of story, it, it's book ended that there are, there is a scene where House initially goes to try and convince Cameron to come back she's lukewarm to his wants and then he comes back again and um it, it the, the, there are there are moments even though there's a meningitis scare going on and cuddy's really annoyed that house keeps going off to do something she's also seemingly scheduled like <laughs> three interviews with different doctors so it's um like throughout the episode house kind of has these interviews with different doctors and like some of them are nervous some of them are confident some of them are pretty perfect for the job but every time house finds like a problem with them um and i don't know i, I felt i felt through that like at the very end as you say there wasn't really a stake it was just that house wanted cameron back but a, a lot of his intentions are left unspoken and um it's what i it's what we talked about the show before that like a lot of the like a lot of things are left unsaid Mm. Uh, could could be seen as a as a failure to write motivation by some people i i quite like that the characters kind of are thinking things or they're not making rational decisions like house could either realize that you know cameron's a really great doctor he seemingly makes lots of arbitrary um criticisms of all the people he sees even though they're perfect and wilson says they're perfect so we kind of get an outside perspective on that and yet he still wants Cameron back. So his reasoning could be that he has thought about it and Cameron's perfect. His reasoning could be that he's just obsessive and wants the same team. Like he just, he's not a person that likes change. And so I guess he'd be like, I need the same team back, even though somebody might be better than Cameron. So I'm never sure like that kind of, yeah, as you say, that kind of really what it comes down to is that the reason Cameron comes back is because House wants Cameron to come back. But we never really get a definitive reason for that. It's not like, as you say, like, 
oh my god cameron's the only person for the job it's just that house just seems to like cameron the most for reasons that we never really find out well let's take a step back and try and infer it from uh the the applicants that come through the door yeah go on and i think that might be the way to do it so there's number one number one he was uh just kind of really edgy wanted to be irreverent you know he's a musician but he's also a doctor um he he's very kind of self-involved and i think one of the big things to take from that and also something that house says about him is that you care what other people think and if you care what other people think then you'll change your opinions you'll change your views to suit whatever is the prevailing opinion you'll be a fair weather friend yeah and is that something the house wants i mean if you look arguably at all of the cases that have occurred does not want that he does not want someone who's just going to change their mind because it's convenient or it makes people feel good or it makes people see them in a much more favorable light yeah he wants which, people to say things when they don't work or not which cameron doesn't do yeah she, yeah so like cameron's really stubborn in her beliefs although you could say that early on especially with some of the cases with the kids um which episode is that that's maternity she changes her opinion to try and make the problem more less difficult for her and yeah. house chastises her for doing so he does which i guess she's already been through that lesson so he doesn't want to teach someone else yeah but also i, I think that but i think cameron's a bit different because she wasn't saying that to impress them I think she would have been worried that that guy was trying to be liked. Like, Cameron doesn't do that to be like She's, like, scared of disappointing people. Yeah. It's a bit of, like, a different fear. She's not doing it to be cool. She's just terrible at facing yeah. uh, fucking consequences or any consequences for what she, like, has to do. And what do you think about number two? She's, like, a... She's got a lot of chutzpah. She's very um, in-your-face... Yeah, number two is like... So number two is the confident woman. And it is... um, I kind of find the second Doctor because it's so back and forth. It's like someone says something and someone has an immediate like, um, like response. It kind of feels like a really badly directed like version of House. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like imagine if all the differential diagnosis scenes were that. Because actually like the way people respond feels quite naturalistic. Mm. Even though everyone's saying like insanely witty things. I feel like like she is, I don't know if she's written as like almost too perfect. Like that's kind of the joke. Yeah. Is that like she walks in and she like, she has a response for House. She's like, I I mean, she's good looking. I get, I mean, we know that that's a criteria for House apparently. You know, she wants to get the job done. She's intelligent, which is why Wilson's like, she's perfect. And then House blows her off because she's wearing uncomfortable shoes. And he thinks that that shows that she's like, just wants to look good and is a bit shallow but it's um it's quite funny it's like they go over the top and they make her like the ultimate mary sue of the character like you know if she replaced cameron she'd be awesome and it's it's kind of funny to watch because it's so like overly done and then obviously house then shoots it down which obviously wilson is like you're insane but um yeah, I mean, I, I would hate for a character like that to be in the show. Like, she's way too snappy. She's got a lot of chutzpah. 
<laughs> so she's always um she's up front she's in in house's face she gives as good as she gets mm. um and is not afraid to tell house that yeah well it very much feels like a like a a character by committee <sighs> it's like if you were like if you, if, if everyone sat down and was like we want to make like the most like the perfect match to house she'd be like the moriarty right yeah, I don't know. I think it's it 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 goes to such an extreme. <laughs> That's that, the thing. It goes to such an extreme. I yeah. just like, I thought it was really funny. It's just like totally over the top how competent she is. But the interesting thing about it was, um, he basically says, "No, no, no. This is not good because why is she wearing why is she wearing those shoes? She's wearing those shoes to impress. She wants to show she's powerful." She's not a practical thinker. She's willing to be in large amounts of pain to look good. Oh, yeah, but that was like an arbitrary... No, I don't think so. I've got a different interpretation of why that's the case. Okay, go on. But we'll get to that in a moment. But, and then there's there's Doctor Number Three. Number Three is just blown off so quickly. Yeah. I don't even think she really says anything. By then, House has kind of made his decision. Yeah. And this poor woman just sort of... Sits in. there while he just totally ignores her. She seems competent though. Yeah. She was, I mean, she seems normal. Yeah, she was know. normal. I mean, you have to be insanely high functioning to be on a house's team. So, you know, we don't really get a glimmer of anything from her. Mm. If she's normal, that's probably not a good sign. But my main thing is, is that kind of Cameron replacement story or B story. It's a parable. Because it goes through the kind of general rhythm of um, there's an issue, there's one solution, dismissed. Why? Wisdom. Second solution, dismissed. Why? Wisdom. Third solution, dismissed. In this case, there is no wisdom involved, but usually there is. And then you get to the final person and you find out that all of those factors were things that were not manifest in the person that you chose and you followed the wisdom to the end. Hmm. Um, so it was really interesting. It's kind of like a mixture of a parable and a joke. Yeah. Um, and with the second one, it was this... She just wasn't practical enough. It was all superficial, in a sense. She wanted to look good. She wanted to act the part. But she was willing to do that at the expense of what was practically practically true. Yeah. So that she would just go, let's do the flashy thing. But like, hang on, but wait, we need to diagnose this more practically. And then it gets to that that point. So as much as the other person would change his opinion, change his opinion to fit whatever the consensus was. Yeah. The other person would be willing to try audacious maneuvers without actually doing the basics necessary to get to that point. Fair enough. I, I read it as a much more house being stubborn and just coming up with bullshit excuses. No, no. But no. you've you put a little bit more thought into it than that. Of course I have. Fair enough. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um that's how I've read it. Um But um but yeah, so I mean, well, whether or not House comes up with his 
logical reasoning for bringing back Cameron or his totally arbitrary one. Um, do you know the only the only evidence I really have of that? My one big example is in season three, where House just causes terror in order to get the carpet replaced that he was shot on. I think that Cameron is basically that carpet. <laughs> you're using, you're thinking way too far ahead, and I don't think that's fair. It's not fair at the moment. I agree. Yeah. So I, I, that's why I said I will not use that piece of evidence. It's the only piece did. of evidence I have. But you did. <laughs> You've spoiled the you spoiled the punch already. You've already poisoned the well. People have forgotten by then. They think I'm wrong now. They think I'm completely irrelevant. <laughs> um, but um. So, but he he does go back to Cameron. He does convince her, and then we get the that she'll only come back if he goes on a date with her. Which um, I don't know is a bit. I'm not. I'm not sure how. It's very weird. Yeah. Because it was. It's um. I think it leads on to it leads on to a great, uh, like the episode where they actually go on the date, which is the next episode. But the the build up to it is um, I know like, I, it, I I'm I'm in two minds like it's one of those things where the setup is so awkward to get them on a date, but the date is so worth it that I'm not sure whether or not the awkward setup is good. In hindsight, <laughs> you know if you know what I mean. Yeah, because yeah. I, I really like the date. I like that then like you know and then kind of the Cameron the Hammerin relationship kind of falls apart after that date. Yeah. Because, you know, House makes a judgment like, what you know, we, we'll go into it more next week, but whatever the motivations are, like, it's pretty obvious that they're not meant to be and, you know, that Cameron might have had some probably strange, deep-seated reasons for wanting to date House. But this, the setup is that, you know, she basically blackmails him to go on a date unless she'll take the job. I, I don't know. Like I, I know, I know that you know throughout the season, like House Cameron's been interested in House, that she finds him attractive, but for it to be like the the entire reason she returns to the job is just for that one shot today at House, like you know they went on monster trucks. Maybe she liked that so much. I, I guess so. Or like, didn't she take the hint then? Like you know, they didn't have a date then. It's um, it it just feels like. I know it's it's like you know Cameron is so against coming back to the team, and then as you say it's like there's no stakes. It just ends with oh, can we go on a date? I um, it's like I, I don't. I'm not disappointed. Like I don't need the stakes to be insanely high, but I, I, it's a bit it's a bit clumsy. It's a bit weird. It's like I don't. Know, it's, it's a bit awkward. I don't know how Cameron isn't like awkward saying that. Like, can you imagine saying that to someone? Yeah. And I only say that because the characters are like, you know, they're relatively realistic. Like you know. Cameron, for instance, feels awkward about telling a couple that their baby's dead. <laughs> it's quite a normal reaction. So does she not feel awkward in other circumstances? Because, um, I mean, House buckles quite quickly, which I guess tells you something about House that he, like, really wants Cameron back, which is an interesting thing to learn. And it's like, you know, and throughout the series, actually, people do say, I think in the Vogler arc, Cameron was worried about being fired. And Chase is like, no, no, of course not. He loves you. He would never fire you. So there's this idea that like you know House has kind of a special place for Cameron, as like one of his mentors. But and that and then the kind of him accepting the date just to get her back in the office is like a nice cementation that there is more of a relationship there than with Foreman and Chase necessarily. But it's uh, 
Ah, it's a bit clumsy. I thought okay. it was a bit weird. All right, then. Yeah. She's a bit awkward more than anything. But it, it's a necessary payoff. It's a necessary sacrifice of the plot for the payoff in the future. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I think I don't know what your feelings are on it, whether or not they're the same or you just love... Uh, to be honest, I'm a bit... You want hammering to happen. I, I, I think it's given way too much uh, importance in the fandom, in my opinion. It's the wellspring of many torturous fantasies <laughs> for many. Um, and it's a bit overblown. But my... I don't know. I just... Yeah, it is clumsy. It doesn't make much sense. It seems way too left field. We've got enough real... build-up, apart from some awkward encounters that they have at some points. Yeah. Um, yeah, just I mean, she was literally st staking being able to work on going back with House. It's not, you know, I don't know. I mean, it could just be that maybe by that point she knew she held all the power, so she would have come back anyway, and she was like, oh, maybe I'll <clears throat> have a date as well. But it's, uh, I, I, f I find it clumsy. Well, she better get a job quickly to get that apartment with the treadmill and everything in it. Fantastic apartment. Maybe yeah. that's just what the early 2000s were like. Yeah. Very cheap. Very beautiful. <laughs> Very spacious. I wish I lived in a place like that <laughs> with my treadmill. Um, I think another theme we should uh, touch on is that Chase gets a really hard time in this episode. Chase is given a real, real hard time in this episode. House has not forgiven Chase. Well, I, I, I like that that's continuing. I like that there's continued Vogler fallout. The Vogler bomb has gone off. A hundred million dollar bomb. Well, yeah, I mean, even that's mentioned like House. Uh, so the entire, like the entire meningitis scare is there. And obviously House is like, well, I solve puzzles. I don't do the busy work. And then he even says to Cuddy, why didn't you hire all those nurses? And then she says, yeah, we would have with that hundred million dollars. <laughs> and then the next scene, obviously, he's in the clinic helping out because it's like he doesn't really have an argument. Yeah. He's now needs to. I, I guess it's kind of funny in the same way that the first episode he was making up for clinic hours. And he was like, oh, I've got to work till 2054 to make up my clinic hours. Now he needs yeah. to make up for a hundred million dollars. <laughs> like it's like that hospital owns him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. Chase is basically told to look from A to Z for whatever the potential condition could be for uh, Mary's um, meningitis-like symptoms, but they don't necessarily fit. Yeah. I mean, that that's... Yeah. I mean, that's the start of the episode. She is... She just stands out from the crowd and then House, House takes her and pretty much the whole thing is at the hotel... Uh, the, the hotel... The hospital is just totally falling apart. There's no beds and it's just this, you know, they're just trying to treat this patient while they're kind of being dragged back to deal with this other issue. But, um, but yeah, Chase throughout that is kind of ridden quite a lot. And it's, um, uh, I think this is pretty much the last episode where it happens. I, I think it happens for a bit, a few more, but it's, uh, it's nice to see that Chase is still being punished for his Vogler treachery. But while Foreman, uh, well, sorry, while Chase is being uh is being punished foreman's foreman's getting mean <laughs> it's uh yeah like while we were watching this we noticed that there was a lot of there's a lot of instances of foreman threatening people yeah <laughs> because 
in, in this episode, he's um, because there's so much stuff going on. He's um, he's sort of having to compete for resources. And it's great. Like the first time he pushes into a queue and somebody says, oh, you know, there's a queue here. Yeah. And Foreman says, um, Foreman says, yeah, that's why I said, excuse me. And then he sort of tries to, you know, kind of pressure the woman behind the desk to give him something. And then he also gets pushed by one of the dogs says, don't push me again. Yeah. Well, doesn't he say, push me again? Oh, yeah. He says, push me again. See what happens. (laughs) To effect, that to that effect, yeah. Yeah, so it's like it's really funny. There's like several scenes of Foreman like getting pretty threatening with people, and I I quite like that. I think I think that makes Foreman stand out a bit more. That he's um, yeah, it makes Foreman stand out from all the other doctors. Like because we know that he's had a pretty rough background, yeah. and it's nice that under pressure, like he's not just he, he you know it kind of gives him a bit more of an edge that he's not just uh, like a guy who sort of has an answer and he's confident. He's like, you know, do you want to take this outside? (laughs) But in, in like the most professional way possible, (laughs) like, you know, he's not, he's like, he's really confrontational. He could clearly beat up most of the people. He's got very sharp elbows. That's what I would say. Don't mess with him. Push me again. It's a really minor thing, but it's kind of like, I, I I guess it's nice in this episode. The team has, the team kind of has a, Something going on, at least. Like, Chase is the one who's sort of, like, doing all the tests. He's being ridden. He's in he's in house purgatory. He's in house purgatory. Foreman is just, like, just walking around. He's Foreman's, like, because Chase is actually mostly not with the patient for the most part. Like, Foreman's the one conducting, like, you know, the bone marrow, um, like, doing the bone marrow thing, doing the LP, like, trying to get her a bed. Foreman's kind of the heavy. He's walking around. He's, like, threatening people <laughs> in a subtle way. And then... I mean, Cameron's sitting at home, like, plotting her way to trick house into a date. So everyone's got some stuff to do. And then Wilson's, Wilson's like, around house a lot. He's trying to, like, sort out the Cameron situation. I think Wilson starts to have a lot more personality in this episode. Um, Not that he hasn't before, but he's definitely this kind of... He seems a lot more matey with house. He seems a lot more, like, uh, questioning of house's decisions. He's a lot more of that really, like charming like uh emotion uh like more moral consciousness side well that and he just say that's our hitler <laughs> yeah, exactly oh. he's got a bit more of an edge to him he's not like the nice man who tries to get his fake cousin into the hospital a bit of pushback yeah look come on stop being unreasonable get on with life got stuff to do yeah and that's that that that's what wilson is and i i like that it's starting to come out a bit more yeah it's um, he's not so much being carried by just Robert Sean Leonard being a charismatic guy. I feel like Wilson starts to come out a bit more. He's got a bit more of an edge, as you say. Would you say this is the first real sense that this comes out? You keep a close eye on Wilson, I know. Yeah. I'm very skeptical. I think uh, I don't know. It's the first time I'm talking about it. Yeah, but it might also be that like, this episode's quite bare bones. We've run out of things to talk about. But yeah, I think I think overall, it's um. I don't know. Do you want to? Do you want to surmise what we've been thinking, or do a big summation? Um, I don't think there's much to summarize in the sense of we're gonna. I think the main thing we need to tackle is the end of the patient story, which is yeah. The, so yeah, as we were, as I tried to marathon through in the uh, in the in the intro. Yeah. Do you want to give your opinion 
on that because um, I don't think there's much to discuss with the patient. I, I think it's it's one of those episodes that has a really cool setup, but there's not much to discuss. It's yeah. the entire hospital is in chaos. They have to treat the patient in kind of a gorilla style, like you know they can't find her a bed, so they have to treat her in the morgue. That kind of thing. It, it, it it's interesting, but this is I mean it just shows that the writers like uh, trying to mix things up, keep things interesting each week, not make it feel like you know it's just a person sitting in a bed and the team arguing about what's wrong with them. Yeah, like um, they're keeping it fresh, which is great. But in terms of actual like character development of the like patient there's not much going on there it's uh it's just solid it's very boilerplate but uh sorry guys go on with your analysis it kind of corresponds with a few things that we've said before the first being that houses has a rubik's complex not a messiah complex he doesn't want to it accords with that kind of theory because as soon as the the disease has been solved or the patient case has been solved, which is, in essence, she's pregnant and there are loads of complications and they weren't really foreseen because no one was really entertaining the, the thought that Mary would be pregnant, it's ended. And as soon as that comes, you'd think... Where the disease be ends, the moral dilemma begins. She's underage. She's very young. Um, she's pregnant. Parents are here. What happens? How does House deal with this? And then all of us are new reminded. Yeah, he he solved the puzzle. The moral the moral side is important, but really that's up to the patient at this case. In this case, mm. he can't change what the patient wants to do per se although we've seen in episodes he does try to convince people that is not beyond him but in this it just seems more like the rubik's complex rubik's cube complex comes out rather than the messiah that's revisited as a theme of house's motivation yeah according to law you're the boss i don't have to tell them anything i can couch it in very strange terms and and the political situation in the united states about this subject it's very cold. It, it takes no prisoners with the dialogue. Says, "Oh, it's like an abnormal growth in the abdomen." <laughs> yeah, and it's um, I, 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 the episode then matches that because we don't then see the parents reacting or being told. It literally just scraps them and goes, "Oh, we'll never hear from them again." No, it does because you see in the after the abortion, she Mary asks for her parents to come in. And there's a what there's a far back shot of her talking to them from the from the bed. Oh yeah, you're right. Sorry, yeah. I think Chase is watching her, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, sorry, you're right. It's um You I was expecting in my art of arts that they would have to deal with that issue of both the possible statutory rape, the underage pregnancy, and the the abortion element. The trifecta of kind of very controversial things. Yeah. And it just goes, eh, it's the patient's problem. Yeah, but it, uh, it, it, it fits the theme, at least. It, uh, I mean, it could be them trying to rush and finish the episode, but because of kind of House's setup of that he only cares about the puzzle, it's there, like, you know, she's going to have the abortion. He's like, whatever. From a series art perspective, it's not consistent. 
because we've talked the whole Rubik's cube complex thing. Yeah, and how he is more invested in the patients than he lets on a lot of the time. Yeah, yeah, but he, but yeah, as you say, it's not, it's not that consistent in the whole. But like in terms of house is like his basic bullet points. <laughs> It's fine. Yeah. Uh, it's not like you watch it and go, oh my God, that's crazy. It's like, oh, that's maybe a bit quicker at resolving that than it would be otherwise. Yeah. So overall, it's a, it's an interesting setup with nice bit of extra stuff. Yeah. The team has something to do. Wilson is looking lovely. And, um, and it's got a moral conundrum at the end that it sort of just sweeps under the rug. Forget it, Jake. It's Chinatown. <laughs> Basically, that's what that's what happens. And it's also interesting that the A plot isn't really the A plot, and the B plot is really the A plot. Yeah, it's uh, Cameron say. is the A plot. It's just hidden in this other stuff, <laughs> which is interesting. But it kind of gets overshadowed by what by the Vogler fallout. Yeah, I I think yeah, this is very much a. Uh... It's an epilogue episode. That's a good way to describe it. Yeah, an epilogue episode. Which is nonetheless satisfying because it's cleaning stuff up and you get a lot of resolution. But at the same time, it's all the same. It's an epilogue. Yeah, I agree. So, um, well, thank you very much for, for listening to this week's episode of Differential Diagnosis. As as always, I say for, as always, from now, we'll also be with you on Thursday with a, with a little added extra. So check in if you want to hear us ramble about some other completely different part of the uh of the show uh this week's episode this week's episode of dd extra is going to be about the fandom and some fan fiction stories which we found which we thought would just be entertaining to talk about but it would be a very casual laid-back one so you're not missing anything if you then want to wait till monday where we'll be talking about season one episode 20 love hurts getting ever closer to the end of season one but uh thanks for listening and it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from him. See you next week.